Good morning. Obviously, I am not David. <laughs> if we've not met, my name is Don. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, we just had an epidemic. I'm not sure what happened. David got sick with the flu. Shay got sick with the stomach virus. And Sharon, after hearing my sermon last night, got sick. <laughs> um, so uh, here we are, Julian and Tina and I. And we're just... Uh, moving around and shuffling our feet from place to place, but uh, it's a joy to be here. No pun intended for the series, but it is a joy to be here and to share together in this moment. This first Sunday in Advent, and as we're naming the series, a season of joy, a time of joy, and the, the verse and the song that we have chosen to be kind of the theme for the, for the season is joy to the world. And when I was called at 8.30 Saturday morning <laughs> to, to do this service and to preach this weekend, uh, my joy was that my wife was there. She is very internet savvy and immediately she went into her OCD mode and looked up everything about joy to the world on the, on the internet. And, and I appreciate that so much, so much. And so I want to say up front a thank you to her. And would you join me as we prepare to hear God's word in a, in a prayer? Gracious God, may the words of our mouths, may the meditations of our hearts, may the deeds of our lives be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning, I want to call your attention to look in your pew Bibles, the Bible you brought with you or on your electronic device or whatever to our scripture text this morning. In your pew Bibles, it's on page 935. It's the first few verses of Psalm 98. And so would you listen and would you join me in meditating on that as we hear it this morning oh sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things his right hand and his holy arm have gotten him victory the Lord has made known his victory he has revealed his vindication in the sight of the nations he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel all the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth break forth into joyous song and sing praises. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Amen. Uh, you know, when, you, when Liz looked all this up, what she discovered was that joy to the world is the most popular Christmas carol of any. It's used more often, it's requested more often, it's mentioned more often than any others. But she also found out something else and there's a spoiler alert in that. It wasn't intended to be a Christmas carol. Isaac Watts, who wrote the lyrics for it, uh, didn't intend for it to be a Christmas carol. It was written in 1719. And that's, if my calculations are right, uh, about 300 years ago. It's 2019, 1719. And when he wrote it, he wrote it from his perspective of being a Calvinist. Now, that means he was a follower of John Calvin, one of the members of the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation. Uh, and the Calvinist had a strange kind of theology, at least to me. It's a strange theology with two focal points. One is, in all of this, predestination, that everything's predetermined and played out. And the one that is thus disturbing to me is they believed in the total depravity of humankind. That there was nothing good about us. And so he writes this lyric, this hymn, 
talking about the second coming, not the first. Because he's looking for the end of the predestination, I guess you would say, the end of the time, the, the full ending of all that was planned. And it was written in a time when I could understand why he thought people were totally depraved. I mean, in 1719, there was war across the surface of the earth. Nation against nation, people, rebellions. And if it could be any worse, 1719 was the year that the first two slave ships carrying African-Americans from Africa to Louisiana landed in Louisiana. And the hymn tune as we knew it was not written then. There's been several that have been put to these lyrics. But in 1848, Lowell Mason, a hymn writer, a musician, uh, penned those that we use, you heard this morning, and it is said, I'm not a musician of this ilk, so I don't know, but it is said it's based on the Messiah. But the interesting thing is it's based on the portion of the Messiah that talks not about the first coming, but the second coming. And so their emphasis in this hymn originally was the second coming. And I can see why they want to do that. It's talking about the Messiah, yes, but it's also talking about reconciliation and redemption. And they lived in a world again that was filled with war and rebellion. And even in 1848 already, slavery was dividing the people of the United States and they could see the war clouds on the horizon. It is a message about Messiah. It is a message for a very messy, chaotic, warring, broken world. And so I think, I believe it certainly speaks to us because we leave and live in a messy, chaotic, broken world. We, as the song proclaims, need hope. Hope that brings joy to you and me. And that hope is proclaimed in the first coming of Christ. That hope is found in his coming so that you and I have a reason for hope. We have a reason for joy. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of where we find ourselves, regardless of what's happening in the world, what we read in the newspaper, or on the internet, or here on the TV, you and I have a reason for joy. And it's not built on wishful thinking or what I refer to as Mary Poppins theology. You know, that things are just going to be good. It's just things are well. No, we know better than that. It's built instead on the assurance that God is in control. God is in control. As the verse says, the Lord is come. Receive your king. God is in charge. God has kept and God is keeping God's promises. I read this week, uh, preparing for what I thought was going to be the last sermon that I was going to preach later in the month, Rick Warren. And Rick had this incredible way of speaking about this. He said, joy is settled assurance that God is in control. Quiet confidence in God. A determined choice we can make. It's an anticipation of something. It's an anticipation, I think, of a world that is rescued, of new creation, where everything is made right. In righteousness, the right things prevail. 
We see a foreshadowing of that in the book of Revelation where it talks about the lion will lay down with the lamb and the child shall play with snakes. In that case, I may have missed Revelation because when I was a kid, that was my favorite thing to do was play with snakes. But uh, mother will tell you more about that. Um, Joy is a choice. It is a state of mind. It is an orientation of our heart. And if we're missing joy, then we need to change our perspective. We need to change our orientation and trust in God, not only for the present, but for the uncertain future. Because we have hope. It's a choice we make based on hope. Hope based on a promise fulfilled. That's why in the, in the hymn it talks about all nature and heaven sing. Because the world is redeemed. The promise is that the world will be redeemed. It's a promise that was made and has been fulfilled. But it was made in the book of Genesis. When disobedience brought a brokenness to this world, uh, it goes so far in the Calvinist understanding that it's a curse we've lived under. And the promise is you won't always live under that curse. It won't always be this way. The powers of evil will not always prevail. Darkness won't win. My children, those who are made in my image, are not totally depraved. They may be lost but they're redeemable and they will be redeemed. That promise was fulfilled hundreds of years later when Christ came. Rejoice, joy to the world, the Lord is come and not Herod, not the Pharisees, not the rock rolled across the tomb can keep God from fulfilling that promise. We have hope and joy because a promise fulfilled. We have hope because a promise is being kept. The world is still a mess. I'm not Mary Poppins. I don't look it through rose-colored glasses. I mean, even if I didn't watch CNN, the world is a mess. There's wars and violence. There is still slavery of many kinds. There is injustice. There is hunger. But if we look... God is in the present. God is with us now. God is working it out. We're not alone. Uh, when I was a child, I grew up on a farm, a dairy farm. That's one reason I'm a preacher. Um, I told my dad I was never gonna milk another cow when I left the dairy farm. Uh, great way to grow up, not so great a way to live, I don't think. But uh, one of the things we had to do uh, as I got a little bit older, we went from storing milk in cans in a cooler to what they call bulk storage where we had this big vat, huge stainless steel vat that was chilled by a compressor and the milk went into the tank and then ever so often about once a week the milk truck would come by and take it and uh, we had to chill it and we had a compressor to chill it and it would have been a disaster if that compressor had gone out and we didn't know about it in time to get it fixed because we would have lost a week or more's income. And so the practice was every evening, dad would go down to the dairy barn, 
It's about 75 yards from the house. Now, remember, this is before guard lights, you know, and all. We lived out in the country. It was really dark. And he would check the compressor before he went to bed. So when I got to be 12 years old, Dad said, okay, it's time for you to participate. And he said, tonight, it's your turn before we go to bed to go down and check the compressor. Now, Dad knew. I can't understand this. Dad knew I was terrified of the dark. But still, that's your job. So there was one little 60-watt bulb on the porch of the house and one little 60-watt bulb at the barn. And in between the 75 yards were implements and animals and sheds and stacks of hay and all kinds of stuff that in the dark suddenly became very menacing and threatening. But Dad said, so I started to the barn and with every step I took, I got slower and slower and about halfway down there, I just couldn't stand it. And I turned to run back to the barn, back to the house. And when I did, I looked and saw the porch and dad was standing there watching. God's watching, God's walking with us. We are not alone. We can choose joy. The source of our joy is Jesus Christ. It's another carol says, meek souls can receive him still if we choose in the best and in the worst. Joy prevails because hope has been realized in Jesus Christ because Jesus is present with us and that is a message the world needs to hear. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but in all the news shows, I I think this is just part of their formula for how they do the news shows. Almost every one of them, I've seen very few exceptions, has some good news somewhere in there. You know, they'll work that into all the bad news. And a few years ago, I remember particularly one, uh, it talked about a carpenter who lived in Ohio He had never married, he'd reached retirement, he had lived very frugally, uh, unobtrusively, you know, he was not well known in the community, he just was kind of the anonymous character. And in a visit to the doctor, he was told he was terminally ill. And so he decided that he needed to go see his lawyer and write up his will and get his affairs in order. And he went to the lawyer and he said, you know, one of the things I'd like to do is I'd like to establish a trust fund, a fund, so that in this small town in which we live, every child that graduates from high school can go on to college, trade school, whatever, but they can have their education paid for. And the lawyer said, oh, okay. And he was thinking, you know, 10 or $20,000. I mean, he was sitting there in his overalls and, uh, you know, had no trappings of wealth. And so he asked him, he said, well, how much money are we talking about? And the carpenter very humbly said, well, I talked to my accountant and it's about 3.1 million. And so for those years, every child that has graduated from high school has gone to college, gone to trade school. We need to hear those kind of stories because people we know, people we meet as we shop and eat and work need hope we need to remember we have a reason to hope 
and for joy. We have a reason to hope for what has been and what is and what will be. And we need to share it. We need to proclaim it. Or as John Wesley said, we must preach and if necessary, use words. With our lives, we need to proclaim this good news. We need to prepare for joy. Uh, part of the, the song that's gonna be our theme for the next several Sundays is let every heart prepare him room. Joy is a choice and we need to make room. We need to prepare room for God, for Jesus Christ in our hearts, in our lives. And that means maybe we need to give something else up. I mean, heaven knows we are so busy this time of year. Things are just crazy. Uh, you know, Black Friday, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I avoid the stores like the plague on that, that, that day. We are so busy. We are so busy decorating. I've got friends that had everything decorated in their Christmas trees up before Thanksgiving. I can't even imagine. Um, I have a friend in Waco, uh, Kathy. I just think about it. She's my administrative assistant. I guarantee you she has every Christmas card written, every gift bought, every gift wrapped and under her tree. We spend all this time and, and I'm gonna be in real trouble here. I'm gonna talk about my son-in-law, which means I owe him $20. That's the deal if I mention the family member. Uh, but uh, Chris and Blair hosted the family for their very first time on Thanksgiving. And my mother-in-law who was there said, you know, she really missed Chris because he spent all the time in the kitchen. <laughs> You know, we spend all this time decorating and gift buying and cooking and visiting, all this, these things we do, we need to remember the reason for our hope and our joy and make room for him in our hearts. Change our perspective and see the promise that has been fulfilled, that is being fulfilled and will be fulfilled. We need to rehearse joy. Now, I can't say enough about the band and the worship leaders every Sunday, but particularly this Sunday. But I promise you, they just didn't get up this morning and say, well, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do next week? You know, they rehearsed, they prepared, they made time and room and does not God deserve any less? Don't we need to rehearse our joy? Don't we need to prepare for the joy so that we can be the joy for a suffering world? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, We have reason to joy, to hope. May we prepare for the joy that has been, the joy that is, and the joy that will be. For in Christ's holy name we pray, amen.